Hello again and welcome to The Hills 1130 service here today. I'm so glad that you came to join us. And if you're watching online, we are so glad that you have joined us as well. My name is Adam Herndon. I am one of the student ministers here at The Hills. So honored to bring a word to you today. So I love adventure. I love to travel. It's probably one of my favorite hobbies in life. And so a mentor of mine that knows this sent me a book recently about one of the greatest adventure stories he had ever read. So I got this book and I opened it up and I started reading about a man named Ernest Shackleton. Ernest Shackleton led an expedition to Antarctica back in 1914. And he took 27 other men with him on a ship called the Endurance. And they went down to try to be the first people to ever cross the continent on foot. But they didn't even make it there. The book starts pretty early, uh, giving you the fact that this group got trapped in ice before the boat ever made it to Antarctica. And pretty soon, every person had to get off of the endurance and get out onto these big flows of ice. They drug off the lifeboats and thus started an almost two-year journey of them going from an adventure to a pure survival story. The number of times that these men could have and probably should have given up is staggering. I mean, I would sit there, usually nestled under a blanket, reading about the sub-zero temperatures and the freezing water as these men continued to journey to do anything and everything they could to get back home. And it just fascinated me as I read this story. I think the biggest takeaway was how much we truly can endure. It is fascinating what God has done to make us people who can endure. But there's something I did not like about the book. And it's something I think is missing from so many of the stories that we tell about hard things in our lives. The other side. You see, all 28 men survived the freezing waters and the treacherous moments in the remote Antarctic area, but I don't know anything about the rest of their lives. I don't know what happened to any of the men that got off of that rescue boat. Were Ernest Shackleton and his men any better on the other side of this? I don't know. How did it change them? I don't know. And I think that's one of the most fascinating and important things about each of us as human beings is the other side of the things we endure. So there are a few virtues that I relate with more than endurance. That's probably because my dad growing up was a distance runner. He loved endurance events. So growing up in a house with a dad who had been an all-American distance runner, of course, as a young man, I wanted to be an endurance athlete as well. I wasn't very fast, and so I realized I'm not that fast, so I'm going to have to be tough and see if I can last longer than others as I started running. So I, I, I ran growing up. But really, um, one of the neatest things I've ever gotten to do with my dad happened uh, the first month that I came and started working here at the Hills a few years ago. My dad was turning 60 years old, and he decided he wanted to do an Ironman triathlon. If you don't know what an Ironman triathlon is, you start by swimming 2.4 miles, you then get on a bicycle and ride 112 miles, and then you run 26.2 miles a marathon. Before you think I'm a stud, my dad was 60 years old when he did this thing, and we made it to the finish together. It was a long day. Here's a picture of my dad and I. Yes. Here's my dad and I coming up to the finish line that day after a very long day, and here's the deal. We struggled. It was, it was a long day, and we did not finish anywhere near the front. In fact, we finished near the back that day. 
but we finished together. And here's the thing, the reward wasn't winning. The reward was not quitting. And I think that's such an important thing for us to start seeing in our lives is that oftentimes we think that we have to win something. We don't realize that in a lot of moments, God isn't calling us necessarily to be the winner. He's calling us to not be a quitter, to hang in there, to keep going. And so if you've ever participated in any sort of an endurance event or you've tried to walk a half marathon or do something like that, you know that the mind starts telling you long before the body does that you need to stop. Your mind has such power at times, and yet it is fascinating how God has created us and his good design to be able to withstand so much in this life. The body can do so much more, even when the mind says stop. And so I, I just want to right here at the beginning tell you that God has given you more get up than give up. He has given you more get up than give up. Every single one of you listening to these words here in this room or watching online because part of his good designs that he created us to have what it takes to get back up time and time again when we just want to call it quits. And God's been good to give us that in our hardwiring, but that does not mean that it's easy. The Bible has no shortage of stories about men and women who suffered and struggled and had great reasons to give up but they fought to hang on. So I'll share a couple of those with you. Uh, one of them is in 1 Samuel. Uh, right at the beginning of the book of 1 Samuel, we read a story about a man named Elkanah who had two wives, Panina and Hannah. And so we see uh, right here at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 6, that Panina would taunt Hannah. Now the reason she's taunting her is because Panina was blessed with children. Hannah was not. And so Penina was taunting Hannah, and it says she would make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Great question, husband. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? <clears throat> I'm sure that's exactly what Hannah needed to hear in this moment, classic husband moment. But she's been enduring this season of disappointment and bitterness. She's been hurt for years. And just to take a personal note here, Misty and I can relate with the bitterness of infertility. We endured that for several years at the beginning of our marriage. And I remember the hurt and the frustration as we endured that time and time again as Mother's Day rolled around. Father's Day came. Somebody invited us to another baby gender reveal party or a, a baby shower year after year. And Hannah certainly continued to struggle in her own barrenness. And then in verse 10, it says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Now, there's a whole lot more to this story. But it says at the end of the chapter that God remembered her plea and he gave her a son. It says she named him Samuel, which means God who hears. 
What a sweet testament to the God who hears us when we're enduring something. And another example of endurance in the Bible uh, is found in the Apostle Paul. And I didn't have this in my notes, but Manny preached this last service and he brought up this amazing text in Acts where this man, Paul, used to be named Saul before he was called to be Paul. And uh, there's this moment where this man is going to be calling Saul into the ministry that Jesus has for him. And it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, I don't even have notes for this, but this was so great. Uh, Jesus said this to the man that's getting ready to call Saul into being Paul, the new man who is going to be uh, leading for the name of Jesus. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. Watch this. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Jesus says this before Paul is even called into ministry. And then watch this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul mentions some of the things that he did not know he was going to be enduring but Jesus did before he even called him. It says, starting in verse 23, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. That's my wife's worst nightmare. Skip to verse 27. I have worked hard and long enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to even keep me warm. I believe one of the greatest things you will ever achieve is what you endure for the sake of the gospel. And I think that is absolutely what we see from this man who was Saul and then becomes Paul is that if you back up to verse 18, he says, And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. He's not asking the people in Corinth to feel sorry for him and everything he's been through. He is telling them, I consider this my greatest achievement. The thing that I want to boast in is the fact that I will suffer for the gospel no matter what it takes. No matter what that looks like, I will do it for the sake of the gospel. And I think this is on the horizon for Christians in America. Indeed, I think a lot of us are already being called as every generation becomes more and more of a post-Christian leaning generation, that they're walking away and Christianity is less and less the majority religion, even in our country. In a lot of our own homes and communities, we're seeing this movement away from Christ. And here's the deal. It's been easy to say you're a Christian since the beginning of our nation when it was founded on religious freedom. And yet, as a student pastor, I'm starting to realize there's not the same coolness that there was even two decades ago when I was a teenager to say I follow Jesus. And so in the midst of something shifting, even here in our nation today, I'm an optimist. And I think that there's some good news in this because the Bible is full of so many encouraging outcomes for those who are willing to suffer for the gospel. And I think God wants to do that with anyone in the generations from this point forward that's willing to suffer for his name. And I'm excited to be a part of encouraging these future generations to see the greatness of enduring whatever the world tries to do to dismantle and wreck their faith in a Jesus who is real and is their salvation. So when we can hang on through something difficult, there's a lot that happens on the other side. And I wanna share a few thoughts with you about that. First, when we can hang on 
we can be better for what we've endured because tested people are better people. Tested people are better people. And look at what comes on the other side of our durability in hard moments. Romans chapter 5 says this. Watch him walk us through this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You see, you can be better once you've endured. But let me give you another thought. You can endure better once you've prepared. Now, (laughs) this takes me back. Some of uh, our adults or young adults in this room will remember taking the ACT test or the SAT test before you go to college. That's uh, quite the endurance uh, test alone right there. You have to sit in a room for half of a day answering A, B, C, or D. And so if you've taken one of these tests, you know that it's just a little bit of a beating. The first time I took it, I don't think I did super hot. So my parents sent me uh, over to a course that was designed to help you take the test better. And so as I went to the ACT prep class to learn how to test better, um, they went through tons of things. All these books you could buy, all these ways that you could test better. The only thing I remember is at the very end, the guy said, and by the way, statistically, most answers are either B or C. And so if you get behind and you have a bunch of answers you didn't get to, the best strategy is just to put B, C, A, B, C, D, B, C, A, B, C. And statistically, you'll probably do a little better than if you just put all one letter. I had to use a little bit of that strategy. I'm not going to lie. But I did prepare a little better after going to my prep class. But here's the deal. You can endure better once you've prepared because prepared people test better too. And some of the things in life I know we could not have prepared for. They just come upon us. But there are a lot of things that we can prepare for. An example of this that I'm excited to be involved in right now is premarital counseling. I'm getting to do that with a handful of couples at this moment. And it's such a privilege to see that Um, they're ready to be better down the road because right now they're doing something knowing you will endure marital hardship. Like every single marriage is going to go through something that's going to be difficult. And to watch these couples right now start to prepare for those moments is such a blessing. Because we love the wedding. We love to celebrate the start of that relationship, right? Everybody will show up for the wedding, but Scripture celebrates people finishing. And today we need to celebrate marriages that finish well. And they don't end early because they gave up. And so much of what it takes to finish something is the preparation that's done outside the race. Just like an athlete, sometimes they need a better diet or a better coach or a better mindset. And for some of you in your life right now, even though I'm not talking about something physical, I'm saying you need a better diet. You need a better coach. You need a better mindset. And so when you combine the things we do as disciples to be daily followers of Jesus with the problems and trials that Paul reminds us will come, we can watch how God is faithful to build our character and strengthen our hope in these moments. And so we become better people on the other side of endurance. And so here's a word for anybody who's already been through a lot and you're you're listening to this today. Would you share what happened to you on the other side of whatever it is you endured. Because your children need to hear about the ways your character is stronger because of the things you suffered and endured through. 
Your friends need to hear about the ways your character is stronger because you endured a season of unemployment or illness and you learned to trust God in ways you never had before. And for anybody sitting here or listening today that is enduring something right now that is so difficult, maybe today's the day you start looking for the ways that God wants to and already is growing your character and giving you greater hope. Because I believe God intends for us to be better people on the other side of the things we endure. And so here's the other thing. The next thing we find on the other side of endurance, we actually love people better. Because we love better when we know better. Right? How many times in your life has someone come alongside you in a hard moment and they started to speak wisdom or encouragement from a place of experience? They can love people better because they've been through something similar. And when we've been through that, it gets easier and easier to love people going through that on their own. Boy, do you ever learn that as a parent, right? It's so easy to sit there and watch every other parent and judge the people that give their kid the iPhone at the restaurant table that's throwing a fit until your kid's throwing the fit at the table and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've got a little more grace and mercy for this couple here. Uh, It's so easy to go through so many things in life and look at other people and then realize, man, once you suffer that on your own, it changes how you love other people when they go through the same things. And that's just so important that we remember that so many times in our lives, there are people all around us going through some of the same things that we have endured. What an opportunity. Hebrews 6 says this, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Woo, that is such a good line, that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. And then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. You see, one of the ways we're called to endure is in the way we love others. And here's the thing. Is God an enduring God? Has his love been enduring? (laughs) The Bible says 43 times in Psalms and in some of the Old Testament worship texts, his love endures forever. His love refused to quit on us. And he's not asking more of us than he's willing to give. He's been willing to love us time and time again. And so maybe one of the greatest ways for you to move beyond a season of being spiritually dull, like the writer of Hebrews here talked about, is that you actually start loving people better. Now you love somebody better even if they stopped loving you. Maybe they, they don't agree with you or you don't agree with them and yet you feel that God is saying, man, I didn't give up on you and I don't want you to give up on them. His enduring love for us should grow in our hearts a love for others that will not quit as long as life lasts. And the last thing we discover on the other side of endurance is this. We can last because pain doesn't. We can last because pain doesn't. I remember uh, our coach had a cheesy poster up in the locker room that said it like this. Pain is temporary. Glory is forever. (laughs) Anybody ever hear that in sports? Pain is temporary. Uh, Jesus didn't shy away from letting his disciples know pain was going to be a reality. To be a disciple of his, there were going to be some moments that would be painful. And in Matthew chapter 24, this is strong. I can only imagine what it was like to hear these words as one of his disciples. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, 
and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus didn't say this to fill our hearts with fear. He said this to give us confidence in our salvation. So some of you are thinking, well, okay, so at this point, are you implying that by me enduring, I'm going to now save myself because I was able to endure so many things? Whoa, 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 you're not saved by, but through endurance. Our effort could never save us. Endurance is not what saves us. Jesus is. Try harder faith isn't the answer, but some of us do need to try harder. Believing in him, following Jesus, it won't always be easy. And one of the things I've learned in some of these hardest moments is that I often have to remember where I'm headed. I have to look ahead and remember the prize. Um, I'll show you another picture from the Iron Man that Dad and I did together a few years ago. Uh, I like this perspective. Um, You saw our faces as we came to the finish line, but this is what we saw. This is that moment where you have been struggling and suffering. And I'm gonna be honest with you. When we had eight miles to go in the marathon, I didn't know that we would finish on time. Just doing the math alone of how hard uh, my dad's back started to give out when we were starting the marathon. And the last eight miles, we were arm in arm for eight miles struggling through. And I'm telling you, there's just something about turning a corner and looking up and seeing a finish line. And just somebody here needs to lift your eyes and look up and look to a finish line today that is Jesus and know that you're enduring something and you've got your head down and you're just looking at how hard this is or how awful this season has been or how awful the last year and a half has been. And you have forgotten to lift your eyes and see that Jesus is the prize. The world wants you to look at the next thing you want to buy on Amazon. Like that's the prize. Or it wants you to look at that next promotion or the way you can move up as if that was the prize. Or it wants you to look at this dating relationship like this is your next prize in life. But every prize will fade but Jesus. And ultimately the gospel promises that we will experience the same prize, the same resurrection in Jesus Christ on the other side of anything and everything we endure in this physical body. That that is the prize we will receive. Hebrews 12, one of my favorite passages in the Bible says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Watch this. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. And then you won't become weary and give up. You see, the greatest example of endurance was Jesus on the cross. 
when he gave his life for you and for me. And on the other side of his death is resurrection. So on the other side of anything you endure is Jesus. He's waiting for you every single step of the way. And so I'm here to cheer you on because all of us are running a race that God has set before us, as Hebrews says. And I know some of you haven't run a marathon, but you have struggled in your run lately. You've quit daily Bible reading because you just hit a dry season. Pick it back up. You can do it. Some of you, uh, you quit a diet or a gym even though it was good for you and it was uh, helping you in this season and you just weren't seeing the results you really wanted and so you set it aside. Get back in there. You can do it. Um, Some of you just, uh, you went to your fifth counselor for your marriage or you've gone to counseling for something that you've been wrestling with in your mind or in your heart and you're just ready to give up and you don't see a way forward. Don't give up. It's somebody who just got word they need to do six more rounds of chemo and they're so over it. Keep going. Nobody gets an easy race. Jesus didn't either. But don't quit. And look at what was motivating Jesus as he endured the cross. The joy awaiting him. And let me close by reminding you of the joy awaiting you. Jesus endured the cross because he wants to be with you. (laughs) He endured because you're worth it. And he wants you to endure so you can be with him. So fix your eyes on Jesus and don't give up. I'm asking you to stand with me if you would. God, I want to pray for those in this room and those watching online today that are struggling in the race right now. God, I know there are people here today uh, that are ready to give up. They're ready to quit. And yet you've promised that if we will endure whatever it is in this life, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how afraid we may be to face it, that on the other side, Jesus will always be faithful to be the prize, the salvation that all of us need. So God, give us what it takes to take the next step, even though we want to quit, even though we don't know what the future looks like. We can trust that on the other side of anything and everything we have to endure is you and your faithfulness. We worship you because of that. We praise you because of that. And we take our next step trusting you that you'll be there. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.